Good morning, America and the rest of the planet. It is 4.48 a.m. East Coast time, and welcome to the Quitting Marijuana Podcast. I'm your host, Jonah, offering the kind of advice that's only worth what you're paying for it. And uh, if you happen to be super affluent, why don't you, could you just send me a little donation so I can get a new computer, because I have been fucking with this thing for 25 minutes, and uh, hopefully we're all good now. Um, A big shout out to our listeners in Cordova, Tennessee, Rogers, Arkansas, Kelso, Washington, Tel Aviv, Israel, Flint. Michigan, Fort Scott, Kansas, Hemingford, Nebraska, Essen, Germany, Queens, New York, and all the rest. Hope you are staying strong and chasing your dreams. Um, Our news headlines today, nonsense or otherwise, probably the biggest one that we are seeing is that Trump cannot appear on Colorado's ballot for 2024 election. This is from the National Desk. The Colorado Supreme Court cited the 14th Amendment in its ruling that bans former President Donald Trump from being listed on the state ballot for the 2024 election. The order came down Tuesday from a court whose justices were all appointed by Democratic governors, uh, declared the frontrunner for the GOP nomination ineligible for the White House. Allegedly, it is due to Trump's actions on January 6th. Quote, a majority of the court holds that Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the court wrote in its 4-3 decision. Uh, Obviously, the Trump campaign responded. They're going to appeal to the Supreme Court. (laughs) It's just so wild. the, The swamp is terrified of this guy. Here's what's crazy. If the American people want somebody to be president, then the American people should get to decide. Okay, not the powerful elite. And that's exactly what's happening. Uh, We got judge orders release of over 150 names of people mentioned in Jeffrey Epstein lawsuit documents. Uh, That sounds really cool. Another headline there. However, when you open it up and read it, it's actually some of the victims. It's some of the uh, accomplices. It's not actually the clients. Just names of people mentioned in the Jeffrey Epstein lawsuit. People... And in particular, it's names of people who have already come forward and said they had some connection with Jeffrey Epstein. So a little smoke and mirrors there for everybody. New York Commission will consider reparations for slavery because New York State isn't fucked up enough. Doesn't make any sense at all. Um, Why aren't we having a conversation about helping out the Native Americans that we destroyed and ruined? Um, Why aren't we having conversations? I just, I can't even, I can't even go there. It's it's the most asinine thing I've ever freaking heard in my life. Reparations for slavery. What about, are are we going to go over, is there any sort of holding, uh, any sort of accountability for the people in the continent of Africa who sold the slaves? That's what cracks me up, is I see these, you know, African-American folks walking around with their shirts, their pro-Africa gear, you know, and they're all dressed up in their uh, African garb. And it's like, these are the motherfuckers who sold you. So just, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, it doesn't make any sense. And then finally, national news, states trashing troves of masks and pandemic gear as huge, costly stockpiles linger and expire. Uh, With expiration dates passing and few requests to tap into its stockpile, Ohio auctioned off 393,000 gowns for just $2,400 and ended up throwing away another $7.2 million, along with expired masks, gloves, and other materials. The now expiring supplies had cost about $29 million in federal money. Here's the irony of states throwing all this stuff away. 
the irony is that this virus came from China, and then we spent untold millions and millions, possibly billions, on PPE, which came from, you guessed it, China. So, I don't know. I, I think we'll call we'll have to call this uh, nonsense today. Um, who? Please join me in prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Our reading this episode starts at Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 from the American Standard Bible. Now, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod saw he had been tricked by the Magi. He became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be be comforted because they were no more. So both of those quotes from the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son, and then a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Uh, The first passage was from Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, and then this uh, second part, the weeping and great mourning, is a quotation of Jeremiah 31, 15. Um, absolutely wild that this was written hundreds of years prior to the book of Matthew and the birth of Jesus. Um, we'll go back to reading here. Verse 19, But when Herod had died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The listener's message today is from Charles. Uh, Charles, young man, uh, 21 years old, and uh, here we go. I've been smoking weed for about eight years now, and I've told myself I'm going to quit countless times and could never ditch the habit. I'm a week into not smoking, and I wanted to thank you for your podcast. There are a lot of people who struggle with it, but it's nice to just hear somebody talk about it the way you do. I've quit weed for a few months here and there, but it would always creep its way back into my life. I would say I'm just going to smoke once in a while, then one night turns into every other day, and then every day. I'm at a point where when I smoke, I just feel bad about it and be hard on myself because I told myself I would quit. I've been trying to eat good and work out and quit all all at the same time, and it's hard, man. I tell myself to take things one step at a time, 
But my brain thinks if I'm not doing it all, I'm not getting better. I've been skinny all my life, and it's something I've always struggled with, and weed just makes things worse. It's got to a point where I could only eat if I smoked, and all food just wouldn't go down when I ate it. Even after a week of not smoking, my eating has gone back to normal. Kind of. It just takes a toll on my body, and I'm done with feeling this way. Whenever people ask me my hobbies, I feel like I don't have any because all I do is smoke and play video games. But every time I quit for a bit, I find myself enjoying things I didn't know I did and finding new hobbies. But right when I start smoking again, I look at the hobbies as pointless and would rather smoke a bowl and play video games or watch YouTube and waste my time. I'm sick of feeling that way and I want to be more happy in the moment and not just look forward to when I can smoke next. I have a girlfriend that I've been dating for three years and she never judges me for smoking, but I can tell it affects my relationship with her because I'm not fully there when I smoke and I can't think straight and my speech is all off. We went away for a couple months and I didn't smoke and it was the best I've felt since I was a kid and I can tell she misses that side of me and I do too. I want to get to a point where I can feel that natural high again and just enjoy life without weed. I just wanted to let you know you've helped me get through the hardest points of quitting, and I appreciate it. I'm still going and have so much time to work on myself, and so do you. So don't stress about slip-ups and just focus on the main goal. Hey, Charles, really appreciate that. Kind of reminds me of a text I got from Jamie with the idea that uh, if you haven't given up quitting, then you're not a quitter. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to scroll all the way back there. I can't remember. Uh, it was something great. It was like, hey, you failed, but you got back on the horse. So the fight's not over. You're still fighting. Um, 21 years old, this guy. Able to quit for a couple months at a time. That's phenomenal. That's a good place to be. Don't slide back into it, man. Don't. The more times that you have smoked, the more chains that you're putting on your brain, body, and soul. Um, the younger you are listening to this podcast, the better opportunity you have to get out of this. And uh, if you're an old, an older person who is smoking, I w- listen to this kid. Oh, I remember what life is like. Oh, I'm starting to get interested in things I didn't used to be interested in. I'll never forget my dad said the hardest thing about quitting was when he went to a concert and it, concerts just weren't the same without the weed. And that's what took the longest time to reset. This is an expectation. This is something that you know going into it. But there's a greater purpose. There's a higher goal that obviously has been speaking to your heart, speaking to your soul. And unless you answer that voice, you're never going to be fully satisfied. Um, We're all in this together. I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, our positive character trait of today is helpful. Merriam-Webster defines helpful as of service or assistance, of service or assistance, useful. They had a very helpful neighbor who would always come over after a snowstorm to clean their driveway before work. Uh, one guy who stands out to me is a guy I used to work with. I'll never forget. Uh, this girl came to us, a coworker, and she's like, hey, I need some help. Bam! He just says yes. Just like that. I'm like, uh, I kind of want to hear what she has to say. But he said yes without hesitation. It turns out uh, she needed some furniture moved. Her deadbeat husband wouldn't help. We get there, and it's literally like four lawn chairs, like four Adirondack-style lawn chairs, a little too heavy for her to get up into the truck. But for this guy and I, it's like, okay, only one of us needed to be here. And I was, we were both a little bit impatient, but he held it together, didn't uh, appear frustrated in front of her. Uh, I just, that just stands out to me. It just stands out that he said yes without even knowing what it was. He was a genuine person. He was a Christian. He was a believer. Uh, 
not a perfect human being in the sense of like, oh, I would write a storybook about this guy. But then again, everybody, literally everybody loved him. And so maybe that is the storybook, right? Uh, I think other people would probably say that he had numerous qualities that were of storybook character. And maybe because he was one of the few men in education, maybe I just viewed him as a rival, right? And I just, you know, classic me, kind of chip on the shoulder, you know, how can I one-up this guy, all this kind of stuff. Um, and it's funny because now after four years of kindergarten, now going on my fifth year, and he was also a kindergarten teacher, I can literally see myself going the same direction as him. Like the novelty is just worn off. You know, like I understand his attitude a little bit more. So anyway, super, very helpful guy. And uh, that's that's who stood out to me when I thought about this character trait. Um, one time my use of marijuana eroded this value. Uh, pretty much any time I'm high. You know, I, I can be helpful in the sense that my heart wants to help. But am I being effective? Absolutely not. Um, I either mess it up or I do it halfway or I get distracted and I do seven different things. One example would be our drain, our shower drain is running really slowly. And so we have this, these crystals we got from a plumber a while back called Glug. It's this little plastic bottle and it's a super, super potent uh, acid base. I don't know, so, something potent, probably a base sodium hydroxide. And you're supposed to dump the crystals in, run hot water over them or warm water over them. Uh, just briefly let it sit for a long time and then flush it with uh, hot water again. So first of all, I have to read the label like 10 times, right? Because I'm high. So I'm going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I get the crystals in, I get them down the drain. And then all of a sudden my wife comes up to me and says, hey, is it okay if I take a shower? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Hmm. Did I let the crystal sit? Did I let it do its thing? The answer is no. The drain wasn't cleaned. And then two days later, I'm stone cold sober. I go up there. I read the directions two times instead of 10. And all of a sudden, now our drain is working. So, and then too, do you ever get that wild hair up your ass when you're high? <laughs> and you start cleaning or doing chores at a time that's really not appropriate. You know, a time when your family wants to be with you. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I'm in a mental space to go get some shit done. And you, you start tackling different projects. And, and that's actually not what is needed most in that moment. That definitely happens to me. So... Uh, how about going grocery shopping and forgetting stuff that's on the list or taking forever? Um, and so anyway, that's just, uh, smoking weed has never made me a more helpful person. I might feel more helpful. I might feel more kind, but the proof is in the pudding. And the reality is I am not more helpful than I would be if I had just stayed sober. I'm trying to be a better person, which is one reason why I exercise and why nutrition is so important to me. One exercise I'm doing is a plank on the Swiss ball. So my forearms are up on the Swiss ball, my toes are on the ground, and I'm squeezing that core, pulling my belly button up towards my spine and keeping the tension. Now, after I do this plank, after I'm holding this position and I feel comfortable there, that's when I start extending my elbows up and bringing them back down to my chest. Now, 
you're going to feel, if you haven't done this before, some warning signs that'll tell you, oh, you're not quite doing this right, or whoop, you're not quite strong enough to do it yet. And that's going to be your back like arching, you know, your spine starting to collapse on itself. And another way you can think about it is from the other direction. If you think about your pubic bone and your pelvis, and then you think about the your sternum, the top of your rib cage, rib cage if the distance between those two things starts to open while you're raising your elbows up, you are lacking some strength there. So I would say reduce the range of motion and expect it to take a couple of weeks before you can really start to go up and down, up and down. Um, the other thing that you got to watch for is your hips tilting one way or another. Shouldn't be too bad with both feet on the ground, but after you do those elbow extensions, you can come back to a regular plank. So I'm still on the ball. I'm in plank position. Now you can pick up one foot and bring your knee up as if you're like pretending to run or jog. And so you're holding this plank and you lift one knee and pull it up towards the Swiss ball, put the toe back down, other knee up towards the Swiss ball, toe back down. And this is an exercise where the warning sign is definitely going to be the hips tipping, twisting, tilting. Um, be cognizant of that. The, the, the objective here is to stay nice and square, to really hold it. And you can, okay, if you try this the first time and you're flopping all over the place like a fish, just know it can be done, okay? It's just going to take time. Maybe you got to go back to holding the plank, and maybe all you do is just focus on picking the foot up off the ground for like two seconds. One, two, put it back down. One, two, put it back down. Little things like that. Reduce the range of motion. Um, I love it. I feel like it's very effective. I've been It's part of my back PT, and uh, thankfully I haven't had any issues with my back in a couple of months. I, I definitely need to step this up. I need to start doing this twice a day, though, because by the end of the day, I'm walking around all pot-bellied again and um, just not engaged like I should be. I have been really, really thinking about getting a saddle for deer hunting. I'm so torn. There's this wicked cool stand called the Beast Stand made by this guy, Dan Infall, out of Wisconsin. And this stand is sweet. It is one of possibly the lightest stand on the market, also the sturdiest stand on the market. It is machined right here in America. And the brackets on the back of this stand will allow you to place it on pretty much any tree in the woods. And Small trees are kind of like the hunter's bane, right? Uh, that's the, the stuff that normal equipment, when you go and get a deer stand from the store, is going to really struggle with. Like the perfect tree is where you stick out your arms and you connect your fingers together and bam, like that size tree is great or even a little bit smaller, you know, a little bit smaller maybe than a, than a beach ball. But most of the time when you're out in these swamps, that those are not the kind of trees you're getting. You're getting trees that are, as big around as maybe your two fists put together. And that's the kind of opportunity where this stand excels. Now, when you're climbing up a tree and you go to hang a stand like this, these are called hang-on stands. I'm tying my climbing sticks around the tree, which are these like vertical rods with little steps on them, places for my feet. And I put a rope around the tree and I cinch that tight, pull down a little bit to tuck it in, and now I can climb up on the stick. Do my next stick, do my next stick. The hang-on stand, you either pull up from the ground or you have it on your back with some shoulder straps. One hand, you place the stand against the tree. The other hand, you flip the rope around, tie that stand in place, 
and, and you're good to go. The beauty of a saddle, however, is so you're climbing up the trees and the sticks. Now you're in what's essentially like a rock climbing harness and you're just leaning back away from the tree and you can twist and turn and move around the tree. You can put the tree in between you and where the deer is coming, which is super helpful uh, just in terms of your stealth. Now, people think that they're a little stealthier than they really are in a saddle because ultimately, if, especially if you're in a small tree, you're still sticking out like a sore thumb. Um, unless that tree, again, is directly between you and the deer, which makes it a little harder to shoot. But the beauty of a saddle is that you're so much more, uh, I guess I would call it mobile, which with Dan's stand, which, by the way, is like $1,600, you're, you're still fairly mobile. But if you're just walking around the woods with this rope harness on your waist, uh, you're going to be able to go farther, longer, get into uh, tighter spots, than you would if you had this big piece of aluminum on your back. So really on the fence about which one I want to do. It's getting closer to that commute. Uh, you can hear the wife down here helping out. Appreciate that. Uh, at school today, my basic goals, I want to come up with another craft for the kids uh, because that's been fun. We've been painting with our fingers. We've been doing wreaths and ornaments. Uh, another goal, I guess, uh, just try to read with everybody today. It's super hard to do. Um, kids are really needy, but I'm going to try to do that. I did call a parent yesterday. Hopefully today after school, I can call a few more parents. And I, that's really it. We're kind of in this weird place right now with Christmas break coming up. It's basically, can we survive the day? Can kids be uh, happy? Can they be productive? And for me personally, I want to give them work that's meaningful, not just, uh, not just busy work. It's been an honor and a privilege spending the morning with you. Our quote of the day comes from elite bow hunting athlete Cameron Haynes, who shoots, runs, and lifts every single day. And uh, he said, you can't expect results overnight like everyone does in this day and age of instant gratification. In today's Bible verse, Isaiah 49, verse 13, shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Hey, remember to find satisfaction in the struggle and peace in the moment. We'll see you next time.